Welcome to episode 136 of On The Schmooze. Let's do this. Welcome to On The Schmooze, the podcast that highlights talented people from different fields, explores how they built strong networks, and overcame challenges on their way to becoming successful leaders. Now here's your host, Robbie Samuels. Who do I know who lives in India or has worked there? This is the thought going through my head as I read the content guidelines for Harvard Business Review Ascend. HBR Ascend is a career growth and soft skills development platform for millennials based in India. Therefore, they want to be sure the content submitted will be relevant to an Indian population, which, you know, makes sense. I'm an American writing about networking, which is largely influenced by culture, so... I needed to check my assumptions, which is why I was wondering who I knew with expertise around networking in India. Within a few hours, I had lined up half a dozen Zoom calls with people who either lived in India currently, grew up there, had worked there, or visited extensively. Over the next few weeks, the calls continued to be scheduled as I was introduced to more people living in India. Through these introductions, I was invited to be one of the guest experts on the Global Referral Summit a virtual summit run by someone living in India. From an outsider's point of view, it may seem like I'm lucky, but in reality, I've been cultivating and growing my professional network for several years. I was not surprised how many people I knew who knew something about networking in India. I was not surprised that people were generously making introductions or that strangers were willing to get on a video chat with me to share their expertise. I now find myself frequently scheduling Zoom calls for 10.30 or 11 p.m. so I can talk to my colleagues in India. See, they're 10 and a half hours ahead of my time zone in Boston. India is the future, and now I get to write about it. Your challenge for this week, read The Connector's Advantage by Michelle Tillis-Liederman. In it, Michelle says, It may sound counterintuitive, but connecting and networking are two very different things. Networking is something you do, and a connector is who you are. You may be thinking that you aren't a connector because you're not an outgoing extrovert. Well, this book will help you see that being an extrovert is not a prerequisite for being a connector. There are just so many great takeaways and really detailed, actionable suggestions that I don't have time to spell them out all here. So again, your challenge for this week is to read The Connector's Advantage. I'm going to put a link to the book in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Try this and let me know how it goes. Now, on to this week's show. Today's guest is uniquely gifted at drawing out what's best in others and helping them take their brilliance to the bank. She's a nationally recognized transformational speaker, best-selling author, purpose-to-paycheck expert, and the founder and CEO of Fierce Factor Lab. She has over 20 years' experience working with entrepreneurs, corporate executives, heads of state, celebrities, and nonprofit directors in talent and program development. She is the creator of the Fierce Formula and works with entrepreneurs to create multiple streams of income from what they already know in order to build an empire from their expertise. Additionally, she works with corporations to assure their executives and middle managers align their purpose with their paycheck push their internal edge, and step into the true power of their gifts and talents at work. Please join me in welcoming Nicole Roberts-Jones. 
Yay. How are you? <laughs> Excited to be here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Nicole, thank you so much for joining me from your office, which is nearby and just outside of the Boston area. Kind of up the street. <laughs> kind of. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so as you know, this is a show about building strong networks and the context with which we discuss this is leadership. So mm-hmm. tell me, what does leadership mean to you? And, and in particular, how do you define leadership? Mm-hmm. And when did you realize you had the skills to lead? So, you know, it's interesting. I don't think I ever realized I had the skills to lead. You know, I never would have said I set out to be a leader or an entrepreneur. I just was a girl who saw a need and asked to fill it. And I was trying to volunteer, mind you. So when I define a leadership, just for because, you know, I'm going to go into my story, Robbie, you know me all of 10 minutes, you know, I can talk. Right. So when I think of leader, I think of someone it really makes me think of somebody like Oprah. And the three things I love about Oprah is one, she's unapologetically her. She doesn't try to be anybody else. She just does herself point blank, period. Everything she does, whether it's Weight Watchers endorsements, whether it's her network, whether it's her new deal with Apple, she is unapologetically her. She doesn't shift. The second thing I think a great leader when I define leadership is being transparent. Like, I don't have to have every answer. I can honor your brilliance, Robbie, and say, oh, I need Robbie on my team because he does this, that, and the other, and I can't do that. But then I can stand in the full power of what is what makes me brilliant. And honoring your brilliance doesn't take away mine. And then the third thing that I think um, really makes Oprah shine and really, to me, carves the way for many of us a- as leaders, or I should say light the path, lights the path, is that she doesn't have one way that she makes money. And what I mean by that is to think about, when I think about Oprah, I think legacy. And so every legacy uh, step she makes, every move she makes also ends up making her money, which is a good thing. So to me, those are the three foundational pieces to leadership. That's fantastic. I've never had anyone explain it in quite that way. And I've been doing this show for a while. I like this idea in particular of you know, standing in your own power so much so mm-hmm. that you can let others shine, that you actually want those around you to shine, that you attract to you that which you don't have. And you think of that as a blessing and not a curse. Right. That that is powerful uh, being an addition to your team as opposed to someone confronting you and challenging Mm -hmm. you. That true leadership is knowing that and not being daunted. Right. right? And a true leader also sees the best in you and wants to nurture it. I remember my husband and my husband's an executive. He works for a fortune, probably 200 company. Anyway, so we always have these great conversations around, you know, he gets a new job. He has a new team. And and I remember the best now, in my opinion, he might have a different opinion. The best moment when he started with his new team is he met with all of them, which every leader does that for the most part. But what he did after that blew me away. He went to Barnes & Noble and bought them each a different book based on what they said they wanted. And he said in the note to each of them, all of them said different things in the notes. But his goal was, I want to nurture that thing that you said you want to grow. And since that time, I've seen him do it over and over again. But the first time he did it, he was blown away at the reaction. And really what he was doing was he was uh, consciously, what's that uh, quote by Marion Edelson? You know, when, uh, when you consciously let other people's light, uh, Williamson, not Edelson, Marion Williamson, when you consciously um, let other people's light shine or when you consciously let your light shine, you consciously allow others to do the same. But he, he was actually doing more than allowing it. He was actually um, watering the seed of it. 
Yeah, so I think that was so phenomenal. And I think that's why, you know, no matter what company he's worked at, people love him. I see people in the street and I'm like, oh, I met you at a Christmas party three years ago. I don't remember them, but they remember me because of him. So I think that's so, so huge is really allowing people to shine and nurturing that as a leader. What a fantastic example, too, of, of good listening skills, of the individual attention that we're all craving. Like, no matter who you are, how high up the corporate ladder you've achieved or hope to achieve, like, we all want to be seen as our individual path and not like, I mean, he could have gone to the store and bought 20 of a copy of, you know, the One Minute Manager or something. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, here, everybody, here's a, here's a great book. It's, it's nothing right. wrong with the book, but like, it wouldn't have been the same as the effort it takes. And yet, that effort, it's like investing in people. So that's mm-hmm. really what I hear you're talking and about. And that's what it is, yeah. yeah. Yeah, investing the people around you so they grow. And and this is also like sometimes they grow past you. I talk about some of my clients that they probably met people along their career path. I work with a lot of uh, women in their 40s, 50s, 60s. I said, do you ever meet someone that you know worked for you or you mentored them and then they, 10 years later, had a higher level than you? And they're like, oh yeah. I'm like, imagine if you knew early on that was likely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and right. treated everyone as if they could one day be your boss. <laughs> exactly. And, and what's interesting to me, no matter who I work with, whether it's an entrepreneur or corporate executive, you know, especially corporate more so, or entrepreneur that's been in corporate, you know, we are told we have to fit in this box. And we're busy trying to make other people fit in the box instead of saying, hey, let's get rid of that box. And what makes you shine and what makes you important? And when we have that box, you know, ingrained in us, right? And I've been, look, I'll be 50 this year. So let me just out myself right right ahead of time. So I've been doing this entrepreneurial thing for 25 years. So when you get into a box, even around that, if you're going to grow, you've got to get outside of it. You've got to grow past what's comfortable. And for many people, when I challenged that, you know, I was working with a, um, a big healthcare company. I'm trying not to out people, a big healthcare company and talking to the chief innovation officer and her, her role was innovation, right? So she was all for it, but she said, but, and here comes the but, right? And really the reason they hired her was to be outside of the box and yet the system was bumping against it. So a great leader doesn't take direction from what already is. They create what is not. Mm. Yeah, and they make space for that innovation to happen. Yeah, they yeah. don't just hire. Well, that's also happens with diversity initiatives. Right. Like you hire someone for DEI, and then you don't actually, as an organization, get behind it. Leadership says we need to fill that position, so right. we are checkboxing, you know, our way through this this work as opposed to the work. So I, you just said that you've been doing this for twenty five years. So I, I kind of want to go back to that earlier question about <laughs> when did you realize you had the skills to lead because. Right. I want to know what you were like as a little kid when you were on the <laughs> playground, when you were in right. grade school, when you were in high school and college. Were you organizing others? Were you sort of watching the room? Were you running for office? You know, what was what was it like? So, you know, I love that you asked me this because what I what I tell clients that I have the pleasure to work with is there's DNA that was placed in you at birth, and I call that your distinct natural ability. And that really gives you clues on who you were purpose born to be. So when I think about little Nicole, and if you ask any of my childhood friends, they'll probably give you a much more dramatic version because I'm full of drama. That's still present in my daytime job, by the way. So anyway, when I was five or six, you know, say we were playing outside, the thing that kids don't do anymore, right? And say we were playing Batman and Robin. I was a child that would say, okay, Robbie, you be Batman and I'll be Robin. And then this person will be the robber. And then I set the whole scene. Who does that? That's just the way I think. I'm always thinking of big picture and I strategically think of what's the end, right? So even in my first 
career because this is my second. My undergraduate degree is TV and film. So I worked in the entertainment industry for eight years. And what I worked in was talent management and casting. Now, the reason I'm sharing this with you guys is this. Obviously, I'm great at drawing. I was best in people. I did that as a child, trying to figure out who should be Batman, who should be Robin, setting up a script, really. My friends used to be like, you're doing way too much. Just hush and we're going to do it like this, right? Then as a, as a now 20-something-year-old, I started working and doing the thing I had always dreamed of, right? And I loved Hollywood. It's not like I hated it. I didn't. I loved it. I still miss the parties, right? But I realized something was missing. So when you asked me earlier about being a leader, I never set out to be an entrepreneur. If you would have asked me in 1993 when I started this journey, would I ever say yes to being an entrepreneur? I would have said, Robbie, you have lost your mind. No, I I don't want to do that, right? But what happened is in that moment in 1993, now I'm from California. I'm from Los Angeles. This was a year after the LA riots. I'm from South Central LA, right? So I started looking at riot-torn LA, trying to figure out how did I make it? Now, I'm saying make it because that's all relative. Like, how was I the only person in my neighborhood that went to college? Not because I was smarter, not because, you know, I had better grades, not because my parents made more money. I just made a different choice for my life. And now I'm living fully in that choice. I'm working for, at the time, the number one TV show on Fox. Again, I told you I was going to the Hollywood parties, going, you know, red carpet events. I was living the life. But at the dark of the night, when I was by myself, I started asking myself, who are you? And so it was that DNA, that same question you asked me earlier, that kind of kept me up at night. And so to really full circle on how did I get to this place, I started asking myself questions like, you know, how do you want to re- be remembered? What do you want your legacy to be? And I was 23, mind you. And I was like, you know, 23 to ask yourself these questions. I had no answer. So I started asking my girlfriends, you know, I don't know if I'm in a job that fits me. And they would say stuff like, have you lost your mind? You know, we went to the premiere last week and we went to this and that. And, and so I really felt dazed and confused. So here's the pivotal moment for me. And I call it my defining moment. This is the moment that I found my fierce. And that's why my company and everything I do, I call fierce. And I'll tell you about that in a minute. I know it's going to be your next question, Robbie. So listen, I, one of my girlfriends called me and said, let's volunteer at our church. And so that night, I went to a youth program at my church. I started working with young women. And as their eyes lit up, my heart lit up. And all I was doing was really helping them figure out what do you want to be when you grow up? And what's that path? And what does it look like? And let's set some strategy around it. And started asking them, what do they love? And I loved it. And so that moment is what brought me to this moment. I didn't know then that what I was doing was called coaching because there was no such thing as a coach. And I'm not a life coach. I would say I'm more of a purpose coach, a business coach. And so that's really what started my trajectory on this path to leave my Hollywood dream. Um, Although I'm sure Hollywood will find me again at some point, but really to hold this space so that other women can live as the highest and best version of who they were created to be. So in my quest to really live out my DNA, that little girl that, <laughs> that wrote out scripts in my head, that then went into entertainment, really not even realizing I did it because that was the same thing I was doing when I was little, but really now doing it as an entrepreneur and helping uh, entrepreneurs and corporate executives understand the role that fits for them and how to really align that with their paycheck. All of that is related to answer your question. I love it. I love it. And I love that there's this piece that I really resonate with personally around is there's a a passion you have for helping people and seeing that light in their eyes and not knowing that that's a career, not knowing what to even call that. I mean, I only a year ago started saying that I was identifying as a business strategy coach, but I have stories from 15 years ago of doing this Mm. work. 
you know, I, I mean, I remember showing up at coffee shops with a Blackberry <laughs> a long time ago. <laughs> oh my God. If I literally could, I, my, I found my Blackberry yesterday. I wish you I did. had it out so I could show you. I was yeah. dying laughing. But anyway, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> but, but that's just it. It just seems like such a long time ago. And I'm like, I've always been the person who sat with yeah. people. I mean, I can think back to when I was in camp giving, you know, giving space to my camp counselors to help mm-hmm. them walk through what they were going to do with their life. You know, this is when I was 12. <laughs> right. So, but to know, but to find that calling and then be where you are today. And I do want to ask you about that, but I'm going to ask you a little different than you probably have been asked before. Mm-hmm. I want to know, Nicole, what do you find most rewarding about the work you're doing today? So for me, what sets my soul on fire is when I see the light bulb go off in people's eyes. So, or, or, or when they go, oh my God, I never thought of that. And when they say it like that, I know I'm tapping into something. Just like just now, you kind of did that. You're like, oh my God, when I was 12. It's like, it's that click, it's that, that aha moment. That moment, and then what gets me excited is great for that moment, but then I can teach you how to make six streams of income around it. So it's both. So I think for me, again, I said this earlier, we, we're taught, for me, to be in this box. You know, they tell us the sky's a limit and yet it's not. So somebody puts a cap on our ceiling. Somebody tells us, you know, oh, you can't do that. You're not supposed to do that. So then we go into careers we don't like. So for me, that moment when I push past that ceiling and say, "Mm -mm, no girl or no guy or no whoever, you don't have to limit yourself. That is what really gets me excited. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that point where you've given them some clarity around their purpose, and then you get to help them reset their goals, right? Yes, they're, they're yes. thinking small. And not even just reset their goals. I think it's reset their perception, right? Mm-hmm. So when I think about my own journey, so I had to reset my perception when I started. Because I worked in, in, and I had, I was living the dream. And I keep saying the dream because, you know, that was somebody else's dream that somebody, that people were trying to put on me. And I, I started feeling guilty that I wanted more when I was, you know, I had everything. And, and even after I started my business, my business was doing great. I had the, plus I had the house. I have the husband. I have the 2.2 kids that I didn't birth. Hallelujah. So that's even better because, you know, my stepkids, I didn't have a stretch mark. I didn't have to push anything. Right. I had, so I had my the whole life that I dream of. And yet I still felt like there was something missing. I wanted more. And I realized that more happens to all of us when our gift is bigger than where we are, meaning there's that, that expansion that's available for us. And some people go after it and some don't. And that's why I love Oprah, because she doesn't stop. Like she could have been happy with her TV show for 25 years and she could have kept doing that. But she said to herself, now, I don't know this. This is what I'm thinking. One day I'll get to ask Oprah, right? She said to herself, hey, I want to own a network. So that's a whole expansion, right? So, yeah. Yeah. You would think that at any point she could say, uh, okay, I'm good. But she keeps recalibrating what success might look like. Yeah. Keeps yeah. shooting. Right. She's well past the sky at this point. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> she's she's in um, a cloud at this point. Right. Yeah. Yeah. She's in a, <laughs> might be a different galaxy. I don't know. It's hard to, <laughs> the scale of what she's accomplished. Right. 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 And right. where she's come from. I think that's part of what you're getting at too. Um, you know, your story about being in LA in this critical moment in our history and to be seeing the devastation of when a, a community is sort of not being supported and taken care of and right. recognized for all their value and, and the systems are against them and no one's really addressing that directly. And you can see how it's breaking people down and you're looking around at that and then seeing kind of what you're achieving and you're like, I can't be the only one. I cannot be the only one. What can I tell you? All that sounds sexy, Robbie. When that happened, and, and I didn't tell this part. So in 1990. 
three, when I'm working in my church, right, and I see that there's no programs for teenage girls. So I walk my little 23-year-old self up to our minister youth, and I said to him, how come there's no programs here for teenage girls? And then he looked back at me and said, why don't you start one? And I thought, I'm just trying to help you do your job. I'm not trying to really start a job for myself. I'm trying to help you. But in that moment, that's when that leadership kicked in. I didn't know that I would have never qualified myself as a leader. But in that moment, I thought, yeah, why don't I start one? And I started really pulling what helped me make it, what helped me move past what would have been my own cap, right? Um, And that really is what started my trajectory to do the work I'm doing now. So, You know, it also... There's this uh, piece that I've heard said before that if you ever find yourself in a tough spot, help others. Mm, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because then you sort of see like more of your own value and what your own exactly. purpose, you find your way forward. Also, that minister of youth, what a great leadership moment he showed. Right. To, to say, you know what, you've got it in you to do this. He, look, I don't even think he meant that. I think it, we were, it was busy and we were in the middle of a program and here I am all on passion on fire and, you know, in the middle of him trying to do this. Literally, I mean, we were all in the, the basement of our church and he was doing a program like facilitating the workshop. And I walk up because I, I can't wait another minute, you know, like a 23 year old. We're not thinking about this is not the right time. And, and I walked up in the middle of the program. And he's like, uh, he was just trying to put me off, to be honest with you. Uh-huh. He didn't realize that he was really showing me my purpose, right? Yeah. I don't think that's what he meant, to be how, honest. I would say oh, these throwaway comments, though, I was talking to a guest yesterday about how throwaway comments can be internalized and you could just use that. You know what? You, you just, it's like climbing, climbing a, 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 I don't know, like a rock wall. You just needed to find one more foothold to yeah. propel yourself forward. And he gave it to you unwittingly. He right. sort of said, okay, here's a little foothold. And you're like, you know what? Uh, fine, I'll do it then. Defiantly <laughs> at 23 years old. <laughs> right, and I didn't even say fine, I'll do it. I, I said to myself, I'm trying to help you do your job. And I really said that to him and I was offended. But when I went home that next day, it stayed with me and I couldn't shake it. And so yeah. I started thinking, well, wait, what if I did? So it took me a couple of days for that comment to like sit in me and me really. So it took me maybe two weeks before I went back and said, okay, I think I'd like to start one. He looked at me like, what are you talking about? He didn't remember saying it. That's awesome. And so, you know, the rest is history. Of course, I started that program. That program, I I started a nonprofit from that program. We had 10 chapters in 10 states. Those girls became women, started having adult issues, which is how that translated into the work I'm doing now. So had I not done that then, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. So... That's an incredible thread to, to weave through your career trajectory and to see where it's a chance thing can start something. That's, that's pretty awesome. So, all right, tell us a little bit more. You have this like fierce formula. I definitely want to get to that. Like, tell us what that's all about. Yes. And so all the fellas that are listening, don't miss your breakthrough because I'm saying fierce. I told my husband, baby, you can be fierce. He, and he said, and I quote, I can be a whole lot of stuff for you, but I cannot be fierce. So you say ferocious, you know, I'm gonna say fierce, but don't miss um, for the fellas that are listening. So I really, it's a playoff of Beyonce when she's gonna say she's Sasha Fierce. So think about that Sasha Fierce for a minute. It's like her alter ego, right? So Beyonce is shy. And so what she typically says, sorry, my, I forgot to close my email. So it's pinging in the middle of our video. But anyway, um, so when she's on stage, she's standing in the full power of who she was born to be unapologetically. So what I realized for my own self in that moment, right, is when I was at that, that crux of, do I go into, do I stay here in entertainment where all my friends told me I should be, where all my friends have to find me, where my, my community, my friends, my family know me, Right. Or should I go and do this thing that is, is really rumbling and, and rumbling in my spirit, right? 
And so I realized the thing that was rumbling in my spirit was that alter ego, that fierce that was dying to come out. And so that, in essence, is what I now do is I hold the space for every woman, every person that I get to work with to find their own fears and then create a formula from it. So what the formula is, is think about, uh, let me just use an example, which would be easier than me talking. In the, so one of my clients that I've had the privilege to work with is Deborah Tillman. She is the um, America's super nanny. Some of you guys know who Deborah is, some of you don't. Dr. Deborah Tillman, I should say. And so I met her at a conference. And um, to make a really long story short, because we had a long conversation at the conference, but she was a parenting expert, still is, and she was coaching parents. But for all of you that have a one-to-one model in your business, whether you're a lawyer or accountant or, you know, you work with people one-on-one, you cap off the number of clients you can work with because you only have eight hours in a day. Now, for her, in addition to, you know, working one-on-one, she's speaking all over the country. She's doing all this stuff. She owns childcare centers. So it really capped off the number of people she could work with. And so what she wanted to do was work with more people. And so... At, you know, she hired me. And really what I do is I cre- help people create a formula from what they do. So here's what I mean by that. And let me tell you how Deborah fought me so I can explain it. So when I told Deborah that, she's like, well, I can't create a formula because, and this is my interpretation. She didn't say it like this because she's really sweet, <laughs> right? She said, you know, I can't, because I tailor the experience every time I work with a family. I, I can't just have a step-by-step process. And I said, that's the story you're telling yourself. That's not real. There is a formulaic way to do what you do and you do it on autopilot and you don't realize it. But if we can now realize what that is, do you know that we can create three other ways you can work with families, two of which you don't have to be present? So one, you can stop leaving families behind that can't afford you. And two, you can stop leaving families behind because you can't add any more hours to your day. So that's really what I do is I help entrepreneurs create that formula so that we can spend less time, less energy and make more money. Matter of fact, I love teaching how you make money while you sleep, right? Mm -hmm. But even as a, a career person, a career executive, you know, when you begin to understand what is your sweet spot, what makes you who you are, and what is that sweet spot, that formula that you create for a business, because at the end of the day, the business wants to make more money. Hello, no matter what role you play in, the end result is making more money for that business. Once you understand what that role is and how it's in alignment with the culture and the, the, the long-term goal of that business, no matter what industry you work in, it helps you maneuver your career quick, sooner, quicker, faster. Love it. Love it. I love your passion for it too. And I think what you're doing a nice job of is you're naming for people uh, and challenging people around these deeply held beliefs that are holding them back. Right. Um, I, as you were talking, I was thinking about the, the um, what is it? The tidying up the Marie Kondo uh, mm-hmm. method. Uh, my wife's been watching this show because we're getting ready to move. <laughs> so, <laughs> and which made me think like each, each show, they don't, they don't actually show you all the steps. But if you watch enough of them, you, you realize that you always start with this and then you go to this and then you go to this. And that obviously they're all personalized experiences. Every family right. is unique. Right. But she did come up with a step one through, I don't know, five mm-hmm. or six mm-hmm. of, of a process. And that obviously if she gets to work one-on-one, she will personalize it. But like you said, there, if, to think that an organizer comes in and doesn't have that plan almost makes it, it's funny. Like, I wonder if some people do that not to limit themselves, but to make themselves feel a little more special to their clients, Yeah, you know, and yet they're really kind of hurting themselves because they could help so many more people if they could name it in a different way. And that's where like 
writing books. I mean, that's where you did, right? You took what you do and you put it in your book, Find Your Fears. It's a great title. Right. I love it. <laughs> right. And you know, what's interesting too, is we make it harder on ourselves. So another story, and I always tell stories because it helps people see what I mean. So I obviously have a formula, right? Why would I teach people to have a formula and I don't have one? So I remember I was speaking at an Act Like a Success conference. This was a couple of years ago, um, Steve Harvey's Act Like a Success conference. And the vice president is a friend of mine. So someone was stuck on an airplane somewhere and she goes, oh my God, oh my God. You know, one of our speakers stressing out. One of our speakers is stuck. You know, can you do a second workshop? I said, what's the result you want? Now, mind you, the workshop was starting in like 10 minutes. And I said, what's the result you want them to get out of that workshop? And she told me, I said, okay. She said, that's it? That, just that easy? Well, what she did not was what she said was a third step in my formula. So all I did said, give me a pen. She said, you don't have a PowerPoint. You don't have a, um, a newsprint or easel to write on. I said, I don't need one. Can you just give me a piece of paper? So I, I just so happened to have a sticky pad. So the paper she gave me was probably this size. I said, give me a pen. I wrote my steps in that, that step. So in my third step, I wrote my little formula out just because I can talk, right? And I wanted to make sure I was focused. I said, okay, I'm good. She said, that's all you need. She said, it's an hour. I said, I know, I'm good. And the only reason I'm telling you that is it makes what you do so much easier when you have a step-by-step process. So when you're on a a podcast, a radio show, when you're on a TV show, when you're standing on a stage, when you're working with clients, I can talk to you and say, I I may not say this to you, but I can hear in talking to you that where you're stuck in your business is step two. So then I'll only talk to you about step two. So again, it just makes life easier for you. You don't have to figure out, even if I'm talking to a corporate executive, if I'm going into a company to grow their team, if they say something outside of my formula, I don't do it because that means I can't. (laughs) Right? Oh my gosh. So Nicole, this is so good. I want to unpack this a little bit because I've been talking to people about how to discover your ideal client, which is a little different than the sweet spot you were talking about earlier. It's less about what's your calling to make money and have, you know, what are your, what's your expertise? Often it's like, well, what am I really experienced or an expert in? What am I passionate about and what can I make money doing? But then I think that feels like you're building a, a dream business in secret and then you're bringing it to the, to the market and trying to sell it. And I always think like, cause again, I'm all about relationships that there are already people who know you, who come to you to see you as a resource, who come to you for advice, support services, and you may not have asked them yet for money. <laughs> um, but this key piece is like, if you understand what it is you can offer and mm-hmm. what people see value in you, when someone offers you something that's not in that lane, like you just describe that. If you're really clear about it, you don't get pulled in six directions that are not your space. Like stay oh in the lane, right. you know, don't, because that's distraction. I think that as an entrepreneur, it's a really big risk, particularly when you're getting started. Yeah. So this idea of, of figuring out this formula, I'd love it. I just, I think so many people could probably adapt that to what they're doing, whether it's a, a, a desk job in a career or it's something that they're doing, you know, the, or they're starting to think about building their entrepreneurship. Right. Like, brilliant concept just to like apply. And you, I know you got some resources on your website, so we'll have links to all that on there as well. So, so I just, I want to talk to you though about that network that you've developed because you were just talking about how the young women the the girls that became young women that are now women that you work that are with. in their 40s how did that yeah. happen oh my you know i was like how, yeah. how old are you what no but anyway sorry go ahead yeah like 23 to 16 feels like a bigger uh-huh. gap than right right late 40s to early 40s <laughs> it's like what happened right yeah so tell me how you've nurtured and sustained not the closest circle of people in your life mm-hmm. but the second and sort of third layers out the people that you might have worked with a long time ago or worked for or see at a conference once a year? Like, right. you have any habits or practices or philosophies around that? 
So yes, and I love that you asked me this. So this is one of my favorite things to talk about because I see so many entrepreneurs go out, and you just said this a minute ago, get an idea and then go out and sell it. It's like, really? So it's almost like, and this is what I call it, you got to date before you put a ring on it, right? So if my husband would have brought my ring to our first date, I would have thought the brother was crazy, right? But what he did was we dated for a while. I got to see the value he brought. He got to see the value I brought. So what I've realized in my business, as well as, you know, people that I've talked to, people I get to coach, is that you've got to date for a while. You've got to let people get to know you. So one of the biggest things I do, I never pitch when I meet people. I just don't. Unless you, if you ask me, then I'll tell you. But usually I'll ask you, tell me what result you want. So I allow people to get to know me. I don't just go in for the, for the kill, you know, for the sale. So I think the biggest thing is remember that we're not human. You know, we call ourselves human beings, but we're really human doings because we're focused on what we do, what we do, what we do. And so when I meet people, I try to focus on their being. Who, do, who are you right now? And who do I need to be for you right now? I was at a networking event maybe two weeks ago. I walk up, and by the way, I'm shy. Nobody believes me, but I am. So if I'm at a networking event, I wait till I see somebody standing off to the side by themselves looking shy like me. And then I'll walk up to them because I'm shy. Right. So I said, what brings you to this event? And we started chit chatting. I didn't ask her anything about what she did for a living, any of that. She asked me and I said, I told her I help women align their purpose with their paycheck. And she goes, ooh. So instead of me going in, because most people would, I didn't go in. I said, tell me what made you excited about that. I made it all about her. To make a long story short, I, at the end, she's a producer for a TV show. She's like, when can you come be on my show? I was like, uh-uh. right? But that only happened because I focused on the relationship. I didn't go in trying to network and see how can I make some money off of her. And so I really shifted my own being to focus on people's being, not doing, but being and getting to know them. Now, that doesn't usually happen that fast, by the way. Usually it takes some time to nurture the relationship. But I think because I focused on who she was in that moment, we both were nervous. I talked about that. I, you know, asked her what brought her to the event. You know, how can I support her? Nothing, trying to sell. And that's when she goes, what do you do? Because she was shocked that I wasn't immediately going in for a pitch. Wow. Did I so your question? <laughs> I, did, I think that's a good piece of it. I'm going to dig in more, but I, I have to say um, the anatomy of that conversation is perfect because mm-hmm. it's a great example. You didn't ask her what she did because I think that question, even on the best of circumstances, can be really off-putting because she probably doesn't want to get pitched. So if she says, I produce a TV show, now you're going to pitch her. So right. she's a little like, uh, so you didn't ask that. You said, what, what brought you to this event? What attracted you to this event? I love those kind of like, you know, how'd you hear about this event? Those are the kind of questions that are great opening. Right. And then when she asked you finally what you do, you answer with the, I help blank do blank, right? And so say that sentence again, I help women. I help women. What well, depends on where I am, by the way. I say one of two things. Now, keep in mind, I didn't say I'm the CEO of Fierce Factor Lab. Nobody right. knows what Fierce Factor Lab is. And nobody cares that I'm a CEO. But that's what people walk around doing. Nobody cares about that. Right. So what I said is I help women align their purpose with their paycheck. Or, you know, my two lines. And if I'm talking to a man, I say I help align your purpose with your paycheck. Um, If so, or if I'm talking to to someone that I know is an entrepreneur, then what I would say is I help you create multiple streams of income from what you already know. So it just depends on where I am. Those are my two, pay per paycheck or yeah. multiple streams of income. But I, but I never say I'm the CEO of because that doesn't really help foster conversation. What right. I know, um, Robbie, is when I say that and somebody goes, ooh, then you're my ideal client probably, right? But I still don't go in for the kill. And I call it the kill because you kill the, the kill the relationship or you sell after that. So I then say, ooh, what made you excited about that? Or what you know resonated with you? They'll tell me. I still don't make a sale. I still don't pitch. 
I still continue to talk to them about that. Wow. It sounds, you know, I say whatever she said. So I make it a relationship, a conversation. If I, at the end of that, still don't have a client, I bet you'll have someone that's going to follow me. I guarantee you they're going to stay connected to me because I focus on the being and not going into the do. I love it. I love it. And I think too many people do walk around saying their title as if it's like rank, name, rank, and serial number, and, and no one cares. Right. Right. Well, one of the things that you said, it, and I'm going to say it a little more bluntly, it's not about you, people. <laughs> like, it's not. And if you can position your conversation, I always think it's good to leave a conversation on an up note, like leave people feeling good about yeah. that moment, about themselves. Like, And so that's what you're kind of going for. And I, So I love yeah. that. So so beyond that one-on-one, I think that one-on-one approach was so great. You travel a lot. Um, you, you're you're constantly sort of in and out of spaces where you're meeting people. You're speaking. You're at conferences. Do you host dinners, host salons? Do you gather people together? Do you like? Are you more of a one-on-one person in those moments? Do you you know? Are, and and by the way, you mentioned earlier, Nicole, that you're shy. I am. Right. But are you an extrovert? Do you like do you like being around people? You know what's funny is so I am shy. Nobody believes me. So if any of you guys ever see me out in public and I'm in an event where it's a big room, you'll see I'll sit by myself. Or I find the one person standing by herself because it unnerves me. But I've had to work through that because I realize in order for me to be the woman God is calling me to be, I've got to get past that. So I am still shy and unnerves me. Like that networking event I just told you about, I got there 20 minutes late on purpose because I didn't want to be the first person standing around feeling awkward. <laughs> Right. And then I had what my girlfriend calls liquid courage. I had a martini. So I was really good. I was like, okay, I could do this. So um, for me, the, my biggest secret that we're friends, I'm going to tell you my biggest, biggest secret. So when I'm at an event, and it's so funny, I'll tell you what happens at the end of this is what's making me laugh. So when I'm at an event, especially when it's like 6,000 people in the room and I'm nervous, I walk in there, sit in, sit in there like I'm a participant. And I'll talk to the person next to me. What's, it makes, what makes you excited about the event? Hi, Robbie. Great to meet you. And I'm talking to you and I'm asking you. And then I'm talking to the person. So I talk and then what usually happens is they call me up. I'm, I, I get up from there or I'll go around to the back if that's the way they wanted me to come on the stage. And then I'll go, you know, I talked to Robbie earlier. It helps me not be, feel so nervous because I've gotten insight from you. And I use them when I speak from the stage. So people will walk up to me after. That was so sneaky. But that was so good, you know. And, and it just it like makes me feel less nervous. And again, it's all about connection. And I use the connection forward in a good way. Mm-hmm. So that for me, to be honest with you, I actually love speaking. I love it, love it, love it because I see the light go off in people's faces. But I always do that one-on-one first. Um, what I have learned now that I'm 25 years in and the full disclosure, my team does not, does not let me network up front. So especially when I'm hosting an event, because as my director of operations will say, you'll be so all into the people, you're not into your content. I need you to go sit and pray and get into your content <laughs> because I, I love people, right? And so, and because I'm hosting the event, everybody knows who I am. And then it's like, ah! And I'm just hanging out and then I forget, oh, I got to speak. What am I talking about first? And so now I don't get to do that as much unless I'm speaking at someone else's event. And so it's different now. Um, but yeah, I love actually both one-on-one and I love, 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 even though it still nerves me until I start um, and get up there. I actually love speaking at events. So there's a couple of really great things here. One is I will say that, so I, I'm an outgoing extrovert. So I like being around people, but I'm also outgoing. My wife's a shy extrovert. So mm-hmm. she likes being around people that doesn't, that doesn't like draw out her energy. Like she actually gets energy from being around people. Right. But most people wouldn't know she was there. <laughs> mm. Like that's, that's, you know, like the being on the side of the room kind of thing. Um, but I also like to speak, uh, mingle in the crowd before I get on stage. Um, and whenever people tell me, oh, the green room's this way, 
and I go, okay, thanks. Like mm-hmm, I'll, I'll get there. Right. Because I want to know who I'm speaking to. I want to know more about them. You know, it's not about trying to be sneaky or anything. It, it's not even necessarily about nerves. It's just like, to me, it's like, I want to, I want to get on stage and be able to speak to a person, right? not to like a blank, you know, canvas. I don't know anything about. Um, but also if you are shy or a little bit introverted, getting on stage is a brilliant, brilliant way to meet people at a big event because once you step off stage, people will know walk who you up to are you. and they walk, walk up to you. to you. Right. Yes. So, and I'll tell you the other thing that I've had to learn. So again, I'm shy, right? So I used to shake so bad when I would get on stage, but you know, like David and Goliath, you know, everybody knows that story. So for David to go fight Goliath, you realize his, 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 his he had to choose his people over his fear because he was fighting for his people. So for me, I choose serving people over my own fear when I get on stage. Right. So I hired a speaker coach years ago and so my team laughs because they see me do this. So he taught me to meditate. Now, you don't know this about me, Robbie, but I'm really nosy. So I can't sit and meditate on the side of the stage. If there's stuff going on around me, I want to know what's happening. So I meditate with my eyes open. So I had to tell my team, if I don't talk to you and you see me breathing, but I'm looking at you, it's because I want to know what you're doing, but I am meditating. But that has helped me you know, be clear on who I am. I'm going to be nosy. I can't close my eyes. So just let my eyes be open and just breathe and be in my breathing. And it helps me um, lose my nerves a little bit before I go on stage. <laughs> oh, what? that's a clever little hack there. Because right? <laughs> you're like, I know this works for me, but I have to modify it and not being afraid to do that. Um, so I think that, you know, you're, you must have just an amazing network of people. And I hope that you continue to find ways to convene them because that is a gift to bring people together who otherwise would not get a chance to know each other, but through you right. and to nurture a, to create a space and nurture a space where they can show up and share some of their genius with each other. And then you don't, as the host, you don't have to do very much. You know, you're not, it's not even about your content. It's about mm-hmm. the container, the space. And I feel like you would just have such a magical touch doing that. So when you're hosting these, uh, these, when you're going to these conferences, think about pulling some people off for a little dinner or a little salon. Like, yeah, I think you yeah. It'd be so brilliant. For- That's one of the reasons why. So I do a, a Find Your Fish experience, which is kind of a, a kind of a tour of Forest City. And, and we're starting um, later this month. I don't know, you know when this is going to air. But those of you that are interested, go to findyourfishexperience.com and see where we're coming. But the reason I'm bringing that up is because the thing that I absolutely love about these four-hour little small nuggets is, of course, I do some training and I speak. But we also do networking. And I do that because there are women that are up the street from you that can be your accountability partner, that you can, like you said, have coffee with, that you can tease things out. So whereas I may not live in your city, somebody does live up the street, right? And then I also have an online community that, you know, we continue to nurture and grow together. So I, I, what I know for sure in my own business is it took me a good 10 years into my business before, no more than that, probably more like 17, before I found a community that got me. I'm not talking about your friends because your friends may not be doing what you're doing. Like my girlfriends are great to go have a drink with, but they can't talk strategy because they're not entrepreneurs with me, right? So once I found a community that were doing what I do, it just made a big difference to be able to just tease something out with. You know, yes, I have coaches, but sometimes I just have a quick thing. I want to run past someone. I, I don't want to call my coach because that costs me, right? Being real. Sometimes I just have a quick idea. And so having that accountability partner that I can say, hey, girl, like my business bestie lives in Dallas now and I live in Boston. So I think I talked to her. We have a program called Boxer. I think every day, Boxer is like a walkie-talkie thing on the phone. We Boxer each other like almost every day. 
Some of it now is like, girl, I found these shoes now because we've gotten close. But it's just great to have that community to nurture and help grow you. I love it. I love it. So um, here's one of my favorite questions this week as we're wrapping this up. If we're we're connecting again a year from now, and since you do live local, I know we're going to stay in touch. I love that. So we're connecting a year from now, and we're talking about all of the amazing success you've had in the previous year. What are we going to be celebrating? What are you looking forward to in the year to come? So for me, the celebration is always when my clients hit six figures. My celebration is always when a woman says, oh my God, Nicole, I'm doing the thing I love to do and I'm getting paid for it. So it's being able to do that more and more, having more and more women um, that I get to serve. Sorry, fellas. I do work with men, but I'll say 99% of my clients are women. So I'm always going to say women. So that to me, you know, being able to say I multiplied the number of women I got to serve this year, that is always my biggest, biggest win. I love it. So where can people find you and follow your work? Sure. So you can find me on Facebook, by the way, my free Facebook group. I'm sure you can guess what it is, is Find Your Fierce Movement. So please join. FindYourFierceMovement.com is where you can find me. That's my Facebook group. So um, my Facebook page is The Fierce Factor Lab with Nicole Roberts-Jones. On Instagram or Twitter, I am at N. Roberts-Jones. Fantastic. We will have all those links in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Nicole, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a great conversation. Thank you for having us. And thank you for what you're doing, Robbie, because networking and relationship building are so huge no matter what you're doing. So thank you for holding the space that, you know, you give tools for people to be able to do that. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Nicole. Such a pleasure to speak with her and learn about her leadership journey. What is your key takeaway from our conversation? Something you'll put into action this week that you'll benefit from for years to come. Share what resonated with you in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Look for episode 136. That's also where you'll find all the links and resources from today's episode. Don't forget, I was also going to put a link there to the Connector's Advantage by Michelle Tillis Letterman. I was fortunate to be one of the networking experts she interviewed for this book. The section that I inspired and then contributed to is about being an inclusive networker. This book resonates with you the way I suspect it will. Let Michelle know by leaving an Amazon review. That's a great way to let an author know their work is helping you. My interview with Michelle about this book will be out in a few weeks. She's the second time guest on this show, which has never happened before. Watch this space. If you enjoyed this episode with Nicole, please share it with your friends And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's show. Remember, subscribing is always free. Are you a fan? That's awesome. I would love to read your review on Apple Podcasts. It's easy to find our page at itunes.ontheschmooze.com. Thank you in advance and look forward to connecting again next week when I'll be interviewing another talent professional about their untold stories of leadership and networking. We'll explore their career challenges, work-life balance, and how they built a strong professional network on the way to becoming successful leaders. Until then, have an amazing week. Thanks for listening to On the Schmooze podcast at www.ontheschmooze.com. That's On the Schmooze, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.